start singing number 99, nine, number 99. Angels from the realms of glory. All four stanzas now. Angels from the Stand will sing uh, 197. Oh, somebody, somebody likes this song. She's singing it. <laughs> 197. Hallelujah, this done. I believe I'm 
Father, we thank you, Lord, for great singing, Lord, this morning and preaching, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the time that we have to worship you. Lord, I pray and ask that you would help the needs that were mentioned this morning for people that are dear to us. We pray, God, that you would uh, meet those needs, Lord, and bless our service now as we worship you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. Uh, 265. Now. All of you know this song. <laughs> Today, today's the last day, and after that, uh, don't come because we won't be expecting you. We'll be passing out Christmas cards as caroling and uh, uh, gospel tracts too, and then hopefully this will lead to uh, future one-on-ones with uh, some of the seniors there. So some of you folks have expressed you'd like to go there and visit with the poor old folks who have no company, 
and uh, bring some cheer to them throughout the year too. So hopefully that'll work out uh, in the future. And then after that, on Pier 38, we're gonna go pass out to the fishermen, people that go out fishing, deep sea fishing, they go out for a week or two and then they come back. And so we're gonna give them some candy, some bag candy, um, uh, and Christmas uh, tracks, and just to be nice to these guys and hopefully they'll take something with them. We have several language tracks they would like to give out to them again. It's been a while since we did that, but we're going to take advantage of the Christmas season to give less to these guys. And so, if you can come do that after caroling, that's fine. You don't have to work it out where you're, if you come with your wife like that, you know, somehow they're going to have to do something while we're doing something if you can't come. So, uh, let me know about that if you're going to go, if you're a guy, to go to the Pier 38 the Harbor. A lot of parking there. Uh, go to the map, uh, Google map, and see where it is. It's very close to where we are now. And uh, we really enjoyed doing it last time, and hopefully we can get some uh, gospel tracks out again. It's a good time to get our gospel tracks. Have some with you wherever you go. If we're shopping, wherever you go, no one's gonna turn you down. Just take a track, give it to somebody, and uh, let them read it. And uh, I give them out when I do my driving, and uh, nobody's turned them down so far. So that's a good thing. All right, uh, pray for one another. We have some needs going on. Uh, Nathan's got some rust on one of the vehicles. Uh, just discovered yesterday, we had a heavy rain, remember? And the heavy rain's coming to the car. Onto the floorboard. He went in to turn the car, air it up, and he got a puddle on the floorboard. So, discovered that, and so he's gotta get that fixed. That's a request. And then, um, uh, Mike is still looking for a, a vehicle. So, pray about that too. And I'm getting my car ready for the van, ready for uh, Turo. Um, just a few steps away from getting it done, I have to get my back seat, the very back right seat, the cable is fixed and all that. A guy is supposed to work on that, but uh, people don't show up for work, so it's kind of hard to get something done when people show up for work. So those are some material needs that we have. Loretta had uh, surgery on her left eye, and so, yeah, that Hollywood star behind the sunglasses, yeah, she she's, uh, liking it, she's gonna be really well. And then the 14th or 16th, you're gonna have the rat eye done. Right. Yeah. And so, um, so get your autograph signed by her today, <laughs> while you can. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, Jr. is off to sea on the cruise ship, working there, and also Luke has gone to Japan uh, with the army. Be back sometime. Uh, uh, sometime. Sometime. He'll be back eventually. <laughs> All right. So those are some prayer requests. All right. Uh, okay, Mike's going to come for the next two Sundays at 10.45, and he's going to be teaching us again. Come in, Mike. Turn to Matthew chapter 3. Today and next week will be a little more teaching than preaching. Matthew chapter 3, and we're going to read one verse here. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. And it says, I indeed, actually this is, uh, for the context, this is John preaching, and in verse 11 he says, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, meaning John the, John the Baptist, I should clarify, is the one preaching, uh, speaking here. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So in this verse, we see that there are three different baptisms. Three different baptisms. And that's what I'm going to go through today. Most of the time in the Bible when we see the word baptism or when you hear the word baptism or baptized, automatically most people will assume that it's water baptism. A lot of times it is water baptism. Not always though. You have to make sure when you're reading the Bible, when you come across the word baptize or baptism, don't 
automatically assume it's talking about water baptism because it may not be. In this verse, we see that there are three different baptisms. He talks about, obviously, water baptism. Then he talks about baptism with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Three different baptisms. Now, first of all, let's talk about the obvious water baptism. What is baptism? The word baptism. We are called Independent Baptist Church. Why are we called Baptist? What is Baptist? What is baptism? It's funny how uh, Baptist Church probably <laughs> puts the least emphasis on water baptism than all the other churches, even though we're called Baptist. Uh, baptism basically, basically means immersion. And if you're wondering why we're called a Baptist church, you have to study church history. And in church history, just in simple terms, there were a lot of groups that practiced uh, infant baptism. And we're, I'm going to go into that in a little bit. But then in, in church history, there was always a, a group of Christians who did not teach or subscribe to infant baptism because the Bible doesn't teach that. And so they were teaching that if you were baptized as a baby and then later on in life you got saved by believing the gospel, you needed to be re-baptized because your infant baptism was meaningless. It's not biblical. And so then these groups, they started criticizing these people and, and calling them uh, different names associated with with baptism and, and it came to be called Baptist there is kind of a derogatory term they're saying well you guys you're teaching that that you have to be rebaptized you guys so you're Baptist you you don't believe that the infant baptism was sufficient and so it actually became a derogatory term throughout history and then they embraced it they said well yeah that's what we teach. We teach that after you get saved, even if you were baptized as an infant, you need to be baptized again in believer's baptism because infant baptism is not biblical. So they embrace that term more so for identity purposes because it, it's, and all there's, you find with Christians and, and churches and denominations that anybody and everybody under the sun claims to be a Christian. Yes, we're a Christian church, but if you do a little, little research, you find that not all Christian churches believe the same. And so for identity purposes, it's kind of, it's good in a way to um, this, this label that's stuck. It's kind of good in a sense that it identifies you with certain beliefs that you have that are different from other people in other denominations. So that's just a, a quick history. But let's look at this teaching or or uh, these different three three different baptisms number one what you need to understand is water baptism is for believers only now i shouldn't have to stress that but like i said a lot of churches subscribe and practice infant baptism well an infant is not a believer right an infant is they don't they have the capability to believe the gospel therefore why would you baptize an infant the reason why they do it well i'm going to show you in a little bit but we practice believers baptism not unbelievers baptism infant baptism is not found anywhere in the bible nowhere in the bible do you see where babies were water baptized now when i was a baby i was baptized if you want to call it that, but in the Roman Catholic Church. In the Roman Catholic Church, the Catholic priest sprinkled water on my head. Now, there's a, several things wrong with that. Number one, I was not a believer. I had no idea what was happening. Number two, when he sprinkled that water, that's not even the correct method of water baptism. In the Bible, not only is it only for believers, but in the Bible, it's always through immersion. You read in the Bible where they said there were, um, so and so there was much water and so they baptized him uh, the, the, the person being baptized and the baptizer they both walked into the water 
And so baptism, since it represents a death, burial, and resurrection, when somebody dies, you bury them. You don't sprinkle dirt on their head. That's why it's an immersion. It's a death. It represents a death, burial, and resurrection. And number three, another thing that was wrong with that is that um, the reason why they baptized me. So we're going to go through that in a little bit. Faith in Christ is what gets you into heaven, not water baptism. That's very clear that everybody should know that as a Christian. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. When Jesus was about to die on the cross, there were two thieves that were crucified next to him. One got saved, correct? Did he get baptized? No, he didn't. How could he get baptized if he's on the cross? Yet Jesus said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. First Corinthians chapter 1. And if you doubt what I say, this should clear it up. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul writing, and he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, look at verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Now, if baptism was necessary for salvation, isn't this a strange thing that Paul would say? For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. That tells you there's a distinction between water baptism and the gospel. If baptism is necessary for salvation, why would Paul say this? Imagine somebody saying, well, Jesus, well, I was not sent to get people saved. I was sent to preach the gospel. That would be a very strange statement, wouldn't it? That would be contradictory because the gospel, the Bible says, is the power of God unto salvation. You can't be saved without the gospel. So if you need baptism to save you, why would he say, I wasn't sent to baptize, I was sent to preach the gospel? That doesn't make sense. Go to 1 Peter chapter 3. Why do people teach that you need baptism to, to uh, be saved? There's a couple places, or a few places in the Bible that they may use to teach that. Let's look at one of them here. And actually, this verse that we're going to look at it actually teaches the contrary. Go to 1 Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3, look at verse 21. The light figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Well, you have to admit at first glance that kind of looks like it's saying that baptism saves you, right? But let's look at this a little more closely. It said the like figure. What is a figure? The like figure. Let's let's uh, dissect this a little bit. Some synonyms. Like means similar, right? What is a figure? It's a type. It's a picture. It's a symbol. It's a representation, right? The like figure, wherein to baptism doth also now save us. Are you saved by a figure, a type, a picture, a symbol? Or, no, you're saved by the real thing. So if baptism is a type, a figure, a type, a picture, a symbol, or a representation, it's not the actual thing that saves you. It's a picture of something that saves you. He said the like figure. Like, like, similar, like, like what? Similar to what? Let's look at the context. Let's look at this more clearly. 
In order to look at the context, we have to back up and see what he's talking about. Look at verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. By which also he went and preached under the spirits in prison. Look at verse 20. Which sometime were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. The like figure, the like figure, wherein to even, even baptism doth also, also, in addition to, also, now save us. Now, before I continue reading, let's look at something there. He's comparing water baptism to Noah's flood. Did Noah's flood... Uh, actually, let me... Noah's flood, he's saying, if he says like figure, that means it's similar. It's like. Like what? Like what he just stated. Noah's flood. Water baptism is like Noah's flood in that it is a figure, a picture. So just like Noah's flood is a picture, a figure of salvation, bat water baptism is also a figure, a picture of salvation. Then he goes on and he, he clarifies it. Now look at the parenthetical clause there. He says, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. Water baptism does not put away sin, the filth of the flesh. Now, that, that's a spiritual context. You're not talking about you're dirty with mud, the filth of the flesh. He's talking about, spiritually speaking, sin. Water baptism is not putting away of the filth of the flesh. What is it? It's the answer of a good conscience toward God. So when somebody gets saved, the reason why they get baptized is because, it's an, number one, it's an answer of a good conscience toward God. It represents a death, burial, and resurrection. They have become a new creature in Christ Jesus by faith in the gospel. And so it's an outward picture of an inward reality. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So somebody gets baptized in the Bible. They were baptized publicly. They were baptized out in a river or wherever. I don't know, some... They have the baptistry in the in the church and all that, and I'm not. I mean, you know, if you live somewhere where it's cold and there's no river or something outside, you gotta uh, do what you gotta do. But anyway, it shows people publicly. This is a picture. This is a representation of my salvation, and I am making a public proclamation that I'm saved. And this is a picture. My old life is dead. And I've, and I've risen with Christ, here's my new life, a death, burial, and a resurrection. And the Bible talks about dead unto sin and the old man and all of those things. Now, it does not wash away your sins. It does not make you saved. It does not give you some sort of spiritual power. It's the answer of a good conscience toward God. And you're following the pattern of the believers in the New Testament. So it is, in a sense, a, uh, it, it's, it's, I believe it is a responsibility. It's something that you should follow through as a Christian after you get saved. Something else um, that I want to mention here is uh, I want you to see some teachings of some other churches, especially the Roman Catholic Church, because a lot of these Protestant denominations that practice infant baptism, I think that they got that from the Roman Catholic Church. Back in, in church history, primarily in the 1500s, you had, you had people like Martin Luther, who, who was a prominent figure in the Protestant Reformation. And he came out of the Catholic Church. He pro protested. The root word is protest. They protested the Roman Catholic Church, and they started uh, waking up to the fact that the Roman Catholic Church was corrupt, and not only corrupt with their power and their abuses, but they were teaching false doctrine. They were teaching things that were not supported by the Bible. And one of those things was the, the infant baptism. Now, the sad thing is, the, these Protestant denominations that, that left the Roman Catholic Church, they retained some doctrines that from the Catholic Church, they didn't go far enough. 
And today, they're really apostate now. I mean, today, a lot of these Protestant denominations just, uh, you know, they're, they support gay marriage and all kinds of, they're just super liberal. But back at that, in that day, it's a good thing that they recognize a lot of these abuses in the Roman Catholic Church. But some of those things, they didn't separate themselves far enough from the Roman Catholic Church. And one of those is this matter of infant baptism. Now, here is a book. This is called Catechism of the Catholic Church. And right at the bottom of this cover, it says, a quote, a sure norm for teaching the faith. Quotes. And who gave that quote? Pope John Paul II. Inside, you can read where it's endorsed by a Roman Catholic cardinal. So this is official Roman Catholic doctrine. It's been endorsed by the Pope himself. And so I'm going to, it has, what this book is, it has all kinds of different sections of topics of what the Catholic Church teaches about certain issues and doctrines and things. And so we can go to the section where it talks about water baptism. And it's uh, this article, it says, titled, The Sacrament of Baptism. Sacrament. So in the Roman Catholic Church, they have things that are called sacraments. And sacraments are the in the Roman Catholic Church are these things that, that you can do that supposedly impart extra grace to you and, and um, they have this, this these spiritual benefits and so they call Roman the, they call it a sacrament the Roman Catholic Church calls baptism and other things sacraments like the, the communion, the Lord's Supper they call it a sacrament these different things, the Bible doesn't call it a sacrament now here's some things that they say about water baptism now listen to this through baptism, we are freed from sin and reborn as sons of God. We become members of Christ. Baptism is the sacrament of regeneration through water in the word. Regeneration is another term for being born again. So they teach that you're saved, you're born again through water baptism. Let's look at something else it says. It says talking about the necessity of baptism. The Lord himself affirms that baptism is necessary for salvation. Baptism is necessary for salvation, it says. The church does not know of any means other than baptism that assures entry into eternal beatitude. And it goes on and it has a quote, it puts this in quotations, reborn of water and the spirit. Do you know of a passage that sounds similar to that? Go to John chapter 3. Now some people will also use this in the Bible to teach that you're saved through water baptism. Go to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. You should be familiar with this passage. And let's look at verse 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Let me read this again. The church does not know of any means other than baptism that assures entry into eternal beatitude. This is why she takes care not to neglect the mission she has received from the Lord to see that all who can be baptized are reborn of water and the Spirit. Reborn of water and the Spirit. Is that what the Bible said? What's the difference? Reborn of water and the Spirit? What did it say in John chapter 3, verse 5? Born of water and of the Spirit. It didn't say reborn. You see how crafty this is? Born and reborn are two different things. Reborn, Jesus said, except a man be born again, reborn. I, I read another Catholic publication and it was quoting John chapter 3 and it was talking about how you need to be baptized to be saved. And it said, and it quoted the verse and it said, born again of water and the spirit. It did not say that. It said born of water and the spirit, not born again. Not even the Catholic Bible says that. See, if you don't check what they say with the Bible, it sounds like they're quoting the Bible. 
And then they have it in quotations. You think, well, they quoted the Bible. No, they didn't. Now, if you don't understand what they're doing, when they say reborn of versus born, in the Bible, born of water, I, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this because I have other <clears throat> baptisms that I want to cover, and so this would take a lot. But when Jesus says born of water, if you read it in the context, he's talking about a physical birth and then a spiritual birth. When a woman is about to go into labor, something breaks, we call it, right? Her water. Born of water is your first physical birth. Jesus said, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Born of water is your first physical birth that everybody is born. Born of the spirit is being born again, your second birth, your new birth, that's salvation, regeneration. So when the Catholic, this book says, reborn of water and the spirit, they're saying that you're born again of water. That water saves you. Water makes you born again. And they're teaching that that in that context is water baptism. You see how crafty that is? That's why you have to really pay close attention to when somebody tries to quote the Bible. And here, this part, they're not even quoting the Bible. And a lot of times they'll take things out of context. Listen to this. By baptism, all sins are forgiven. Original sin and all personal sins, as well as all punishment for sin. So they teach when that baby is sprinkled, he's born again. And all your sins are forgiven and you are on your way to heaven. You've been born again because that little infant, the Catholic priest went and, and sprinkled holy water on his forehead and he got the new birth that's heresy that is heresy one more I'm going to read baptism not only purifies from all sins but also makes the neophyte a new creature an adopted son of God who has become a partaker of the divine nature member of Christ and co-heir with him and a temple of the Holy Spirit so, why do these churches baptize infants? Because they think that they're getting the new birth through water baptism. Who else teaches uh, that you have to be baptized to be saved? The Church of Christ. And the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons. In fact, the Mormons go beyond that. They'll hold baptisms for their dead relatives. You can, if you're a Mormon, you can you can go to the temple, and they have they can look up your genealogy, and you can be baptized on behalf of your dead relatives, so that they, since they didn't have a chance to be baptized if they weren't Mormons, and your relatives can be baptized, and they need to be baptized to be saved in the Mormon Church. So you can be baptized on their behalf. Crazy, isn't it? Now who teaches, who practices infant baptism? All the Protestant denominations, Lutherans, Methodists, Anglicans, Episcopalians, Presbyterians, Baptists historically have always rejected infant baptism. And they were persecuted for it. Why? Because the Bible doesn't teach that. Okay, so that's water baptism. Let's look at another baptism in the Bible. And the second, and it's, and I'm going to touch on these three baptisms that are in Matthew chapter three eleven. We saw three different baptisms. We saw water baptism. We saw the second one, baptism of what? Somebody tell me. Or witness of with. These words are interchangeable. He said he will baptize you with what? The Holy Spirit, right? Baptism of, with the Holy Spirit. Same thing. Some people try to split hairs and say, well, no, that's two different. No, they're not. Uh, go to um, 
We don't need to go to Matthew chapter 3 because we already saw that. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Baptism of the Holy Spirit is separate from water baptism. Okay? Uh, I want you to look at Acts chapter 1. And we're going to look at another passage where this is mentioned. Acts chapter 1. After Jesus rose from the dead, in Acts chapter 1, he gave his disciples some instructions. And he had told them to, to wait for a certain thing to happen, an, an empowering. And then I want you to look at verse 5. And it says... Let's start at verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. What is the promise of the Father? He said, when I leave, something else is going to come in my place, right? The promise of the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Father. Which saith he, ye have heard of me. Now look at verse 5. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So he said, you wait here, and in a few days, something else is going to happen. Remember, the, I promise you, the Comforter will come. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Did that happen? Yes, it did. When did it happen? It happened in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, it says that they spoke in tongues, and there were the visible manifestations in these things. And so that's when they were baptized by the Holy Spirit. Now, some people teach that you get saved and then later on there's some sort of experience where you, you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And one of the reasons why they teach that I believe is because in the book of Acts there are some places where people did not immediately receive the Holy Spirit when they got saved. You have to understand the early book of Acts is a transitional book. Once Paul gets saved, and he writes his epistles, that transition is no longer. What chapter of Acts did Paul get saved in? Nine. It would be foolish for, you, for somebody to build a doctrine on some obscure passages or events in the book of Acts before chapter nine instead of looking at Paul's epistles that he wrote to the New Testament churches after Acts chapter 9. Why would you go back in time and go backwards instead of building a doctrine on a, a more re um, recent revelation? All right, let's look at some verses about the spirit baptism. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In Paul's epistles, everybody who is saved has the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That means it happens synonymously. It happens at the same time. It's not some secondary experience where you start speaking in tongues and, and this and that. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. This is a very important verse. This verse, this one verse here, teaches many different things that clear up a lot of confusion. It says, for by one spirit, is it capitalized? Yes, it is. Therefore, you know for sure that that's talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, it is true. Sometimes in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is not capitalized. But when you see that it is capitalized, you know for sure it is the Holy Spirit. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. How do we know that this is not water baptism? Because some people teach this is water baptism. Notice it said, for by one spirit. It did not say water. It did not say by the pastor. It said by one spirit, the Holy Spirit. For by one spirit are we all. Paul is writing to the Corinthians and he's including himself with the Corinthians. That would mean all believers, anybody who's saved, all are baptized into one body, the body of Christ. If you're saved, you're in the body of Christ, whether you were water baptized or not. 
all baptized into one body, whether it be Jews or Gentiles, whether it be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. It's capitalized again. That means they're all saved. You can't. You would never say about a lost man that he's in the body of Christ and he's being made to drink into the Holy Spirit. You could never say that about a lost man. So what does this imply? This implies that all believers are baptized by the Holy Spirit. If that's true, that means you get baptized by the Holy Spirit when you become a believer, when you get saved. Some churches and many churches, especially charismatic churches and even other more modern churches like Calvary Chapel, teach that you get saved by trusting Christ, faith without works, which is, that's correct. But they teach that at that moment, you're not, you may or may not be baptized with the Holy Spirit, but that the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes later on. When? And, and how would you know that you got the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Oh, I know. Then in the initial evidence, they say, is what? Speaking in tongues. That proves that you got the baptism of the Holy Spirit because you start speaking in tongues. And if you don't speak in tongues, that means that you didn't get baptized by the Holy Spirit and you don't have the Holy Spirit and you're kind of this lower secondary class Christian. You haven't gotten the, the real deal. You know, you're just halfway there. You're saved, but you don't have the fullness of Christ and, and the Holy Spirit. And, and so you're just, you know, you're not going to be able to accomplish much as a Christian until you... <laughs> That's what they teach. Now some, well, listen, if you look at this thing logically and, you ha and you're consistent, you would have to say, and some of them do say this. They say, because in the Bible, all believers have the Holy Spirit. He that hath not the Spirit of Christ is none of his. So if you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit, right? But they say, well, wait a minute. If you have the Holy Spirit, you speak in tongues. Therefore, if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not saved. Therefore, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. No, they don't want to say that, but I mean, if you look at this thing if you want to be consistent that's how you wind up isn't that ridiculous so here's some to clear up the confusion every believer gets baptized by the Holy Spirit the moment he gets saved it happens at the same time they're put into the body of Christ it's not some secondary experience that happens later on where you think you got it because you started speaking in tongues the Bible says, do all speak in tongues? Do all have the gift of tongues? The implied answer is no, they don't. Well, if they don't all speak in tongues, then you don't need tongues. And if you see, you see, I mean, it just gets into a big mess that you have to unravel with scripture. So that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, let's look at one more, Galatians chapter three. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. You know, there's a lot of Christians that are confused about this because there's different teachings and they don't know if they have been baptized by the Holy Spirit or how to be baptized by the That's another thing. How do you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Let's, let's say that's true, what they teach. Oh, I'm saved, I'm saved, but, but, but I, want the, I want the Holy Spirit. I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So how do you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Do you pray for it? Do you, what do you have to do to get it? See? Oh, I need, I need people to lay hands on me. That's what I need. I need to go forward after church. I need hands laid on me and they'll give me the Holy Spirit or they'll give me the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Look at Galatians chapter three. Galatians chapter three, verse 21. Um, well, that's not what I want. I want verses. Is it 26? Can I look 
looking at the right, my right note. I'm sorry, 320, yeah, 326. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus, in Christ Jesus, not baptism. For as many as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Baptized into Christ. How are you baptized into Christ? By water? No, by the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit, baptized by the Holy Spirit. There is uh, one more baptism I want to look at. By the way, just to clear this up, you can have the Holy Spirit but not be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now that's there's a difference there. And that's as close as you can get to the baptism of the Holy Spirit being some secondary thing and not synonymous with salvation. It is. But there's one thing that, that is different, and that is having the Holy Spirit versus being filled with the Holy Spirit. How do I know that? Because Paul commanded the believers in Ephesians, he said, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. If he's commanding them to be filled with the Holy Spirit and they're already saved, they already have the Holy Spirit, they've already been baptized in the Holy Spirit or by the Holy Spirit, but he's still telling them to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that means that you can have the Holy Spirit without being filled with the Holy Spirit. You understand? Now that, there's a difference there. You can have the Holy Spirit, but not be filled with the Holy Spirit. How are you filled with the Holy Spirit? By yielding to the Holy Spirit. He says, quench not the, the Holy Spirit in another passage. He says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed into the day of redemption. So you can quench the Spirit, you can grieve the Holy Spirit, you cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit, but you still have the Holy Spirit. That's the difference there. All right, one more. Go back to Matthew chapter 3. Here's another one that some people get confused. Matthew chapter 3. Look at verse 11, our third baptism. Jesus said, or John said, he baptized with water, but somebody is coming greater than him. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and what? Fire. What baptism is that? Well, we know it's not water baptism. That's the opposite of water. Fire. What is fire baptism? It's a good question, isn't it? Some people teach that it's the same as being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Let me show you why. Go to Acts chapter 2. Is baptism with the Holy Spirit the, the same as baptism with fire? Are they kind of like two descriptions of the same event? Acts chapter 2. Now remember in Acts chapter 1, Jesus said in a few days, not many days hence, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So just wait for that to happen. In Acts chapter 2, this is when it happened. But were they baptized with fire also? Acts chapter 2. And it says in verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. So some people say, see, there it is. This is the baptism of fire. Because Jesus said there would be some, or John said that Jesus would come and he would baptize people with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so here we know that right here is when this is the fulfillment, fulfillment of them being baptized with the Holy Spirit. And it says cloven tongues like as a fire set on them. That must be the baptism of fire. Now let me ask you something. Did it say fire or did it say like as a fire? Like as a fire. That's two different things. It did not say it was fire. It said like as a fire. There's some glowing visible manifestation of the gifts of tongues that the Holy Spirit gave them when they were baptized by the Holy Spirit that occurred in Acts chapter 2. 
But it does not say they were baptized with fire. And it does not say that they were tongues of fire. They were like as a fire. And notice, there's a couple things that I want you to see here. That the baptism of fire, when Jesus told them they were going to be baptized, go back to Acts chapter 1 verse 5. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire not many days hence. Is that what he said? Sometimes in the Bible, you don't, you, not only do you have to see what it said, you have to see what it doesn't say. He did not say they were about to be baptized with fire. Back in Matthew, John said some people were going to be baptized with fire. When Jesus is talking to his own personal disciples here, and he's saying, wait here, because in a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost, he doesn't include the baptism of fire there. Isn't that interesting? Let's look at something else. Go to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, verse 15. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on all them, as on us at the beginning, he's referring back to Acts chapter 2, the Pentecost, day of Pentecost. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. Is that what he said? No, that's not what he said. He just said the Holy, Holy Ghost. If they were baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire, with cloven tongues like as a fire, if that's the baptism of fire, then why does he keep on omitting that phrase when he's referring to that event? So if the baptism of fire is not the same as the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what is it? Well, why don't we go back to the verse where the phrase appeared? Maybe that will give us a clue. That would be the more sensible thing to do, wouldn't it? Instead of looking at all these other places and verses where it does, I'm just, you know, being kind of sarcastic here. But that's what the, these, these Pentecostals who teach that it's the baptism of fire is the Acts chapter 2. Let's go and look where it actually appears, that phrase, and see if we can find out what it is from there. Matthew chapter 3, look at verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. All right, we covered that. We know what that is. And with fire. Let's look at the next verse. Maybe the next verse will clear it up. Whose fan is in his hand, and he will truly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable what? Well, if he mentioned the baptism with fire, and then the very next verse talks about fire, and it doesn't say like as a fire, it just says fire, that's defining what it is. So what is the baptism of fire? Yeah. Judgment, hell, the lake of fire. That's the baptism of fire. We just read it. He's, there's two groups in that next verse. The saved and the lost. The wheat and the chaff. And he burns up the chaff. So the baptism of fire is something for unbelievers. Yet we have churches who are claiming it as being synonymous with the baptism of the Holy Spirit empowering you you're on fire for Jesus because <laughs> you got the baptism of fire in fact there is a church called fire baptized holiness church you don't want to go to that church you don't want the baptism of fire 
Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's the baptism of fire. All right, so <laughs> it's crazy how some people, they you know, they come up with these teachings and they start teaching false doctrine and things and just, you really need to see what the Bible teaches and don't just take people's word for it just because they quote a verse out of context. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Lord, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for giving us the scriptures to clarify these things. Pray that it, these things would be clear to everybody here. That they would understand these differences between these different baptisms. That they would uh, definitely experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.